0: CHAPTER Two OF THE LIFE OF ST. PAUL This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson THE LIFE OF ST. PAUL BY FRANCIS ALICE FORBES WHY PERSECUTEST THOU ME? The Roman governor of Judea either ignored or chose to ignore the execution of Stephen. He was no doubt well aware that anyone who meddled with the Jews on a question in which their law was concerned, was very likely to bring a hornet's nest about his ears. Pilate was at that very moment in Rome, whither he had been called to answer for his cruelty in putting down a Jewish rebellion in the provinces. It was safer, on the whole, to keep clear of these fanatical Israelites, and to let them fight out their differences among themselves. The chiefs of the Sanhedrin grew bolder. A furious persecution, in which Saul of Tarsus took a leading part, broke out against the infant church. Scourging, torture, and death were the fate of all who called upon the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The faithful fleeing from Jerusalem took refuge in the neighboring towns and cities. Wherever they passed, they spread the news of the gospel, and the truth at last began to dawn on the persecutor. His passionate efforts, instead of stamping out the Christians, had as yet only resulted in the increase of their numbers. Even at Damascus, so the rumor reached him, they existed and were daily making converts. Let them take heed to themselves. They should find that the strong arm of the Sanhedrin could reach them even there. Going to the high priest, Saul proposed a plan for hunting down these Nazarenes, who were spreading their blasphemous doctrines all over Judea then armed with letters to the synagogue at Damascus, authorizing him to seize on all the Christians he could find, both men and women, he set forth in state, accompanied by the escort which was due to him as the legate of the high priest. Since the death of Stephen, Saul had given himself little time for reflection. But now, riding through the quiet country in the heat of the day and the hush of the evening, the hours were long for thought and remembrance he rode fast and pressed on in haste to his journey's end but fear wist not to evade as love wist to pursue the travellers were drawing near their journey's end they had crossed the dreary desert land of and were riding through the fertile valley in which damascus to quote the syrian proverb lies like a handful of pearls on an emerald carpet the river rippled between its flowery banks beneath the palm and fruit trees that grew even to the borders of the sun-baked road. The perfume of the scented thickets made the noonday sweet with its fragrance. A breathless silence brooded over all. Suddenly a blazing light, more brilliant than the eastern sunshine, surrounded the travelers, in the midst of which, visible to the eyes of Saul of Tarsus alone, shone the vision of one fairer than the children of men. Before the glory of that face, Saul fell to the ground as one dead while above his head there rang a voice, "'Saul! Saul, why persecutest thou me?' "'Who art thou, Lord?' he asked in trembling accents. Did he guess the answer before it came? "'I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the goad.' "'Ah!' Saul knew that it was hard." He had measured his strength against the crucified, and the crucified had conquered. My harness piece by piece thou hast hewn from me, and smitten me to my knee. I am defenceless utterly. Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? he asked humbly, he Saul, who had been so sure of his own judgment. Rise up, came the answer and go into the city where it will be shown thee. He rose unsteadily to his feet, for the darkness without was as great as the light within. The noonday sunshine, the scented orchards, the glittering river, the faces of his companions all had vanished. Saul was blind. So had God punished him for having fought against the true light that had come into the world to lighten the Gentiles and to be the glory of his people Israel. He groped with outstretched hands for someone to lead him. Such was his entry into that Damascus, to which he had come in pride and pomp as the representative of the Sanhedrin. His companions had seen the light and heard the voice, but the heavenly vision was for Saul alone. Awestruck and silent, they guided their chief into the city, along the street called Straight, to the house of a man named Judas. Saul's spirit had been stirred to its depths, the very roots of his life seemed to have been torn up in that blinding vision on the damascus road one thought stood out amidst the tumult of conflicting emotions i am jesus whom thou persecutest the words seemed to have burnt themselves into his heart and soul and in the light of them the events of the last few months arose before him the radiant face of stephen as he had seen it in the great hall his dying look, his dying words, the still figure in his blood-stained raiment. Piteous faces of men and women whom he had tortured to make them blaspheme their Lord shone out in the darkness. Most terrible of all to his suffering spirit, the thought of that face which he had seen for one blinding moment in its glory pierced him like a sword. Tender, loving, reproachful, THE TERRORS OF GOD'S VENGEANCE WOULD HAVE BEEN EASIER TO BEAR. HIS SOUL BOWED DOWN TO THE DUST IN AN ANGUISHED PRAYER FOR PARDON. IN THE BITTERNESS OF HIS REMORSE HE CALLED UPON THAT NAME, THE VERY SOUND OF WHICH HAD BEEN HATEFUL IN HIS EARS, CALLED UPON IT WITH A despairing CRY THAT NEVER GOES UNHEEDED. PEACE FELL AT LAST UPON HIS TROUBLED SPIRIT. HE SAW IN A VISION ONE WHO TOUCHED HIM AND GAVE HIM BACK HIS SIGHT. It was good for him to await in silence the salvation of his God. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias? And he answered, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and seek in the house of Judas one named Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. Ananias was aghast. Well did he know the name of Saul of Tarsus, and on what mission he had come. With childlike simplicity, he explained the situation to his master. Go, was the answer. This man is my chosen instrument. I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Ananias set forth at once. Entering the house where Saul was, he greeted him as a brother, Told him that he was a messenger sent by Christ, and laying hands on him, healed him of his blindness. Rise up, he said, and be baptized and wash away thy sins. And he baptized him in the name of Jesus. The rumor of this wonderful thing that had come to pass spread rapidly amongst the disciples in Damascus. They found it hard to believe, but Ananias was there to bear witness to the facts. They hastened to see the man whose very name, but a short time since, had filled them with fear. From them Saul learnt the story of the life and death of their Lord, and his glorious resurrection. There were men there, perhaps, who had seen and spoken with the Master, who could tell of the words and deeds that were treasured forever in their hearts, for as yet the Gospels were not written. To Saul it seemed as if a lifetime had been crowded into those few days he was still stunned by the revelation he had received. Feeling above all things the need for solitude and prayer, he went into the desert of Arabia, there to ask once more what his Lord would have him to do, and to learn the secret of his life's work from the Christ himself. We do not know what passed during those days in the desert, but we gather from the words of Saul in after years that he saw face to face the king and his Beauty and learnt from him fully all that he had need to know it was a new man who came back to damascus at god's appointed time a man on fire with the love of christ and with zeal for his glory he began to preach in the synagogues with a boldness and eloquence that astonished all who heard him and that roused the jews to fury rumors had already reached them of saul's conversion but they had refused to believe the tale he had disappeared from the sight of men and it was easy for them to persuade themselves that the story had been invented by the Christians. Now that they could no longer shut their eyes to the truth, they attacked him publicly, bidding him prove his words, and he, arguing from their own law and from the prophets, put them all to silence. He had beaten them on their own ground and shamed them openly. Their only thought was vengeance. This man was dangerous. He should be put to death. They plotted secretly, but God is over all, and warning reached the disciples in time. The Jews were guarding the city gates, lest their prey should escape them. The soldiers at the Ethnarch had been pressed into the service. There was need for prompt action. In the dead of the night, the friends of the apostles let him down in a basket from a window in the side of the wall. It was thus that he escaped, fleeing for his life into the darkness. The man who had ridden proudly out from Jerusalem the trusted messenger of the high priest, no longer Saul the Pharisee, but Paul the Apostle. End of chapter 2